Husbands who are just about to jump through windows, don't. Wait till you've heard the Frankie Howard show. Then jump. You can have but you can have Ray Fell and guest star Norma Ronald. You can have as well as the Boston Barbers and Timothy Davis. So thank you, stars above. A star of our show, who today will give you a recital of poems written by himself. I will give you, and you are welcome to him, Frankie Howard. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and culture lovers. Now, I salute Miss Eisted for tonight by reading my first ditty. You will not go home dittyless. Dittyless, you will not go home. Now, this ditty is entitled Foreign Parts. Quiet now, please, I must have shush. Shush for the ditty. There was a young lady from Spain who liked it now and again. <laughs> not now and again. Now and again, but now and again and again. <laughs> now, what are you laughing at? How dare you titter at my ditty? What are you laughing at? It's not filth, it's art. I've read, I've read all the poets, you know. I've read all the poets. William Wandsworth, you know, there's uh, Lord. <laughs> William Wandsworth, Lord Beeren, and Robert, Robert Browning and his brother Gravy. <laughs> No, now, you better not laugh at this one. It's got depth, this one, this one. When I pen this couplet, <laughs> such a gobs. When I pen this couplet, I was in a philosophical mood. Don't <laughs> get common. Thinking thoughts of mankind, life, and what the hell it's all about. Now, this one is interpreted Welsh parts. <laughs> Taffy was a Welshman. Taffy liked a leek. He had one after every meal, that's 20 times a week. <laughs> and thrice boom. You still don't believe I'm a poet, and I know it. Oh, it's not there! No, it's another one here. It's another one. It's not another little one. It's all in this book. Another little one here, all in this book. The collected poems of Francis. Bish Howard, you see, has broadcast the television arts program The Good Old Days. Which is their old, you see. Yes. We're all here, look, hundreds of them. Look, look at all that. Look, hundreds of them. Paper rustling. Here we are. Now. <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? 
I bet, I bet, I bet you're thinking all the papers got no writing on, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Yeah, Jeff Stephen Room falls his blank first. Here's this one. This isn't blank first. And I've entitled it. She was only the cobbler's daughter. <laughs> By God, she can make it last. We're going to write what is a night, haven't we? Commoners <laughs> muck. Here we are. <laughs> All right, then. Here we are, then. <clears throat> Here's a stanza, please. There was a young salesman from Leeds who swallowed ten packets of seeds. <laughs> he got covered in grass. Wait for it. You put me wrong. You got covered in grass from his nose to his toes. And you were wrong. And he had to sit down in his weeds. Now, <laughs> I'm not worth bothering tonight. I thought it was. this never ends. Don't appreciate talent. That's your trouble. We poets are very sensitive. We are sensitive. Wait a minute. Wait. I can feel one coming on. Hold on. Oh, 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 There, you are you the lost property clerk? No, I'm Sophia Lauren. <laughs> That's why I'm standing under this big sign that says "Lost Property Clerk." Well, I left my brown, genuine Moroccan leather executive briefcase on the 4:45 Brighton to Victoria Intercity Express. Now, here. Mm. So you left your brown, genuine Moroccan leather executive briefcase on the 45, the four, yes, the Brighton to Victoria <laughs> Intercity Express. Well, come on, come on. I'm a busy woman. Has it been handed in or hasn't it? Well, of course it hasn't been handed in or hasn't it. Of course. Either one or the other. It must have been neither. Now, look at my ledger and see. Now, Monday. You haven't lost a Monday, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Francis. Now, one umbrella. Are you sure it wasn't an executive brolly? No, no. It was an executive briefcase. Have you got an executive all briefcase? All right, all right. Don't get your executive briefs in a twist. <laughs> I'll just go down the list. Cat. Uh, cat. Good Lord. Cat. God help us. Would you believe it? Another cat. They must all be left on the Interkitty Express. <laughs> oh, I'm so funny. I must turn professional. Look, it shouldn't be difficult to trace my briefcase. It's got my name on it in 22 karat gold. I'll tell you what, Mrs. Forget your boring old briefcase. We've got a nice load of antiques left on the 226 from Bogner. Now, here's something which might have been made for you. A 15th century chastity belt. <laughs> this is the Jimmy Saddles. Clunk clip every trick. I don't want a chastity belt. Oh, don't you? In that case, what about a genuine Eastern relic? Nebuchadnezzar's kneecap. <laughs> all I want is my briefcase. I suppose you want my name. It's Virginia Corson. No, I don't want that name. You're silly being called Virginia Corson. <laughs> it's not a name, it's an apology. I don't want to pull rank on you, but I am an MP. So what? I'm a TP. What's a TP? A place where Indians live. You lost public club me. You'd be surprised how many of you MPs we get in here. 
absent-minded lot of leaders, aren't you? <laughs> Last, yes, we had a couple of your mob in yesterday. We had the minister without portfolio. He <laughs> still hasn't been handed in. We had the Lord Seal, lost his privy. Let's put the kibosh on his all-night sittings. <laughs> now, look, I don't like your attitude. I shall write to my MP. But you are your MP. You can expect a stiff letter from yourself in the morning. And I'll bet you ignore it as well. Now, wait a minute. The 4.45 from Brighton, you said. It's just been handed in. It hasn't been recorded in the ledger yet. Ah, you mean my brown, genuine Moroccan leather executive briefcase? Oh, no, an old sea captain's wooden leg. <laughs> I don't want an old sea captain's wooden leg. Don't you? What would I do with an old sea captain's wooden leg? Go on, the first one on the blue The first one that does get the prize of an old haggis. Now, come on. Look, I'm off now. You'll be hearing more of this. I shall report your attitude, and by the time I've finished with you, you won't have a leg to stand on. In that case, this wooden leg will come in handy. Wow! <laughs> Silly old MP. I'll have to kick her up the back benches. <laughs> well, if she'd asked me nicely, I'd have given it to her. I'll just give it to them if they ask nicely. Why, <laughs> you landlubber! I'd be talking to you. No. I'd be Captain Peck like Barnaby. Mm. Now you listen to me. Yeah. I left my wooden leg on the train. Come on now, don't hang about. Have you got it, landlubber? I see. We've got another one here, have we? <laughs> right wooden leg or left wooden leg? Uh, oh, well, it'd be the right wooden leg. My dear, well, sorry, Mush, I've only got a left wooden leg. <laughs> oh, hop it. Hop it. <laughs> No, you mean... <coughs> I lose my pants for a minute. Now, you may, you may find this hard to believe, but there was a time in my life when I was failing to make an impression on the fair sex. I wasn't having the romantic experiences that my impulsive nature craved. I wasn't getting it. <laughs> so I ran up. Come along now, don't go off. It's there. So I rang up my old Otho, Omar Sharif. <laughs> Omar Sharif. I said, Ma. I said, I've got this date with a gorgeous bird. I don't want to fail. So what's the secret of your success? He said, Bulbs. He said, no, light bulbs. That's the secret. He said, I've installed in my boudoir spotlights to show me off in my best light. I said, thank you very much, Ma. Any time you need hints about how to play bridge, give me a ring. He said, bulbs. <laughs> so I rushed out. I ordered 2,000 quid's worth of lighting from the co-op, you see. So I got, yes. I got bright lights for bright birds, naked lights for naked birds, coloured lights for coloured birds, and I sent back all the fairy lights. <laughs> and then, I installed them all in my boudoir. Then the phone rang. It was her, the piece of skirt. She said, uh, change of plan. Can you come round to my place? I said, not likely. What? I said, I'm not going to lug 2,000 quid's worth of electrical equipment over to Clapham, I said. I must say that at times, women get me down. They do. Women get me down. When they get me down, <laughs> Reverend, 
This is the part of the service where we come now to render the cantata. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid the Boston Barbers. <laughs> Once again, we present the amazing literary sensation which is the talk of the town, Huddersfield Town. <laughs> yes, it's the truly amazing diaries of Francis Fadins Howard. Fadins? What's Fadins? Chicken kidney pie, that's what Fadins. <laughs> that fool you? Goodness sake. <clears throat> oh, great. No solo laughters, please, dear. No solo laughing. Or not at all. Thank you very much. This week's story is of a town in danger. A peaceful market town in deadly peril. August the 23rd, 1962. Dr. Francis Howard, a government scientist, was in the middle of an important experiment with a Doomwatch organization. That is correct. I was crossing an aspirin with an axe. <laughs> Trying to find a cure for a spitting headache. <laughs> Suddenly, he was called to the telephone. You didn't hear it ring, did you? Well, you wouldn't. You didn't. It's another of my inventions. A telephone that doesn't ring. I got the Nobel Prize for that. <laughs> now, that's a good one. That's a good one. They're bringing out the big ones now. Here they come now. Get ready. Hello, Dr. Howard. Eh? Yes. <laughs> yes, Dr. Howard, speaking. 
Please state your message briefly. I'm a very busy man. Doctor Hart, come quickly. <laughs> Doctor Francis Howard traced the. to a government research centre which lay outside a peaceful market town on the Wirral Peninsula. <laughs> August the 24th. Now listen, they're not, they're not taking this seriously. It's <laughs> supposed to be dramatic. The Wirral Peninsula. There you are. The Wirral Peninsula. That's it. I've seen it. August the 24th, Dr. Francis arrived. All right, thank you. now. I'm here now. I've arrived. Thank God for that. I'm Dr. Williams. I'd better explain what's been happening. Listen carefully. Yes. We've had an accident with a drug we were using on some animals we were experimenting with. Yes. The drug proved far too powerful. The animals have grown stronger and stronger, bigger and bigger. Yes. They've overpowered the staff and escaped. Yes. The whole town is in terrible danger. Yes. There are great monstrous animals roaming the streets. Oh, sorry, I dropped off. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, look! Look! God, a cockroach! Thank <laughs> God he's wearing slippers. Look again, look! A giant hamster with a wooden leg. <laughs> Look again! Look again! <laughs> it's a giant door mouse. Look at that. A giant fly, seven feet tall. How on earth are we going to get rid of a seven foot fly? Very simply, a seven foot fly paper. <laughs> Brilliant, I would never have thought of that. Do you think the fly paper will work? Only the flies can read. <laughs> but what about Cyril? Cyril? You mean Cyril the Squirrel? What about Cyril the Squirrel? He's escaped. You mean Cyril the Squirrel is losing the Wirral? <laughs> <laughs> Written by John Betjeman, would you? <laughs> we must warn the townspeople a 24 foot squirrel can be very dangerous. Dr. Howard picked up a megaphone, got into his jeep, and drove around the town warning the citizens. Citizens of the Wirral, do not leave your homes, the guinea pig is on the rampage. <laughs> there is also a 24 foot squirrel loose near the gas works. Please hide your nuts. <laughs> Now, what are you going to do? I'm going into the Rosen Crown. That is one place the animal will never enter. How can you be so sure? Have you seen the prices? <laughs> What's going on? I mean, what's all these tales I've heard about giant cockroaches, giant hamsters, giant guinea pigs, and giant flies? No, you mean giant zips. You see, can't say, can't say flies on radio. <laughs> 
I'm so scared. Oh, I, I hate these furry animals. What's going to happen? Oh, oh I'm so frightened. I'm frightened. Oh. oh, please, please forgive me. What would you like to drink? Oh, nothing, thank you. I'm only, I'm only here for the fear. Oh. <laughs> now, look. We must close the bar and get some sleep. We shall need all our energy for the battle in the morning. But what if these animals appear during the night? Someone must stand guard. You're right. You go on guard first while Ruth and I go upstairs for some beauty sleep. Then after a couple of hours, we'll change round. Of course. You'll go on guard upstairs and Ruth and I will come downstairs <laughs> for some beauty sleep. Well, I might as well. There's nothing on down here. With a bit of luck, there'll be nothing on up there. I don't know. <laughs> Restrain me lust. Dr. Howard yes, and Ruth please. went up to her room, and as soon as the door closed, Ruth turned round and saw something that was so scaring, so horrible. <laughs> Take me clothes off yet. <laughs> I'm still only taking my shirt off. Hang on a minute. Now you can scream. <laughs> Not that bad, surely. No! Look by the window! Where? Oh, my cat! It's a giant monkey! <laughs> it's a giant digit Tom from the research centre! I don't know the way he's peeping at us, but we call a peeping Tom. <laughs> oh, Mr. Howard, he's so scary with all these horrible monsters about. I won't even be able to undress and go to bed unless you stand guard on me room. Very well. I'll stand guard. I'll close the door. Left, right, left, right, left, out, turn, left, right, left, out, turn. Shouldn't you be outside the room? <laughs> Spoil sport. For two hours, Dr. Howard kept his lonely vigil in the dark. While the floorboards creaked, things went bump. But Francis never flickered. Well, once or twice, but only tiny flickers. Flickers to you. Suddenly, his blood froze. Halt! Who goes there? Who? I mean, uh, halt! Who there goes? I'm not nervous, don't worry. Come on, I tell you. What do you think I've got in my hand? A banana? <laughs> You're right, it is a banana. <laughs> I'm warning you, cat-eyed Francis, they call me. I've had to ditch you lessons and carrots so I can hit people in the dark. If you come any closer, I'll, I'll, I'll run. Halt! If anyone's out there, keep quiet. I mean, say something, even if it's nothing. Oh, God. Oh, hello, I'm now. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm the hotel gardener. I bet you do wonders with pansies. Oh! <laughs> yeah, no one's ever said that to me before. What? But listen, I haven't got time to listen to all your jokes. There's a giant skunk in my greenhouse. What? A giant skunk? Mm. It must be King Pong. <laughs> You'll have to rename your gardens Pew Gardens. <laughs> yeah, out of my way. I'm still laughing. Give him a chance to laugh. Out of my way, this is a desperate situation. Oh, I'm looking for a woman. Yeah, it must be desperate. <laughs> no, no, I can't get in my greenhouse. You can't? I need the spare key from Ruth. Oh, mine's bent. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> She's not here. Ruth has vanished. Ruth has disappeared. Oh, God, I'm ruthless. <laughs> yes. 
she had been kidnapped, taken by that giant Moggy. Ruth had gone. The giant Moggy, holding a terrified Ruth in his giant paws, sat on the roof of the giant town hall. What would happen now? I'll tell them. I've thought of a wonderful plan. I can capture those giant animals single-handed. Listen, all I need is a box of matches, a pair of tweezers, a telescope, and a Jimmy Tarbuck joke book. <laughs> Come now, Doctor, I'll be serious. You don't expect me to believe that you can capture giant animals single-handed with a box of matches, a pair of tweezers, a telescope, yes. and a Jimmy Tarbuck joke book. Very simple. I'll tell you how the plan works. First of all, you place the Jimmy Tarbuck joke book on the outskirts of town. The giant animals will see this book, and as they are naturally curious, they will come along and read the book. Soon they will fall asleep. <laughs> then what will happen? While they're asleep, I shall go along and look at them through the wrong end of the telescope. But that will make all the animals smaller. Precisely. I shall then pick up the small animals with my tweezers <laughs> and put them into the matchbox. Isn't that clever? Isn't it? I'll oh, please yourself. Tell us that I'm clever. Within the hour, Francis Howard had rounded up all the giant animals and placed them into matchboxes, all except the giant Moggy. Dr. Howard climbed up onto the roof, flashing it. <laughs> His telescope. Oh, no, no, Francis. Mind where you point that telescope. You'll make me small as well. I don't want to live in a matchbox. But this is an emergency, nothing for it. I shall have to flash the telescope. Oh, for heaven's sake, be quick. Francis gave his telescope a quick flash and reduced the moggy to a height of one inch. The cat was taken back in a matchbox to the research centre. The Wirral Peninsula was safe. As we say in the profession, nice one, Wirral. Don't worry, I shall do the honourable thing. I shall cut myself down to size. Might have been the first time. <laughs> Dr. Howard unselfishly turned the telescope on himself, and before you could say Ronnie Corbett, Dr. Howard was also one-eighth of an inch high, or short. He and Ruth settled down quickly to their new life in a three-up, two-down, semi-detached matchbox. Oh, Frankie, darling, what's on television tonight? There's only one program it could be. Match of the day. And that was the last in the present series of The Frankie Howard Show, starring Frankie Howard, with Ray Fell, Norma Ronald, and Timothy Davis. Music from the Boston Barbers. The script was written by David McKellar and David Knox. The Frankie Howard Show is produced by John Brown.